What a sweet morning to be together, um, worshiping, starting our year off together, worshiping our one true king and learning and growing together and being in community. It's so good to see you, and I know we have those online who are joining us as well. And uh, yeah, it's just a worshipful morning. I'm just so grateful that we can be together. Uh, I'm Shelly Zulsdorf. I'm the student ministry pastor here, and I'm excited to share. Thanks, Jeff. Um, what an encouragement. Uh, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We made it to another year, 2023. I love how Jeff described this morning that whether you realize it or not subconsciously, a new year affects us. A new year, and maybe it's not just a new year, it's a new season, newness. If you're a student, it's new semesters. If you're just someone who loves the seasons, it's new seasons, it's new months, it's new just times that we get to feel like we can reset, we can start over, we can start afresh, or maybe we can go back to the things that we've forgotten. And so this morning, I wanna encourage us a little bit with a rhythm that I think may be either familiar to us or maybe it's new to us. Maybe we went through the holiday season and we rushed through it and we can't believe it's January 1st already. And so I want us to just consider what it would look like to maybe re-engage or engage with a rhythm this year, a rhythm that matches our life with Christ. And that's living, trying to live at the speed of Jesus this year, trying to live at the speed of Jesus. See, the speed of Jesus is in contrast with the speed of the world. The speed of the world is busy. We're living constantly at the speed of busy, the flow, the current, the river of our culture, our world, whether we realize it or not, is moving at a fast pace. We have tools now that are supposed to give us, be, allow us to be more efficient with our time so we have more time to rest and relax. We have all this technology and tools, but it's ended up causing us to move faster. That at this point in history, we are moving faster than any other culture has moved. And we are in this current, whether we realize it or not, whether we're trying to resist it or we're just going with the flow, we're moving in this fast-paced world that sometimes I think feels unsustainable. Or there's moments I hear so many people going, I just need rest. I just need a break. I'm so tired of being busy. And I know for me, I love jumping in that river. I love, I'll be honest, this is like full honesty, I love getting in that fast river. The faster I go, I feel like I just thrive. I'm like, I'm doing so great, I'm running down this river, I put as many things as I can in my day, I run, run, run. But what I've noticed is that there's sacrifices in that. When I keep up at that pace, there's sacrifices, and probably every three or four months I burn out. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I take a week where I'm like burned out, exhausted, tired, and then I get back up and I go, okay, let's do this again. And, but I've realized more and more, especially in this past year, I feel like the Lord has been slowly teaching me this isn't working anymore. The speed, living at this speed of busy is not working anymore more for you. you. I've noticed I'm forgetful. I tend to run into things. I tend to hurt myself and hurt others in this process of wanting to go fast. And so about a year and a half ago, the Lord started teaching me to slow down. And I, I even had people in my life, people really close to me, and the constant thing I'd hear for them is, slow down, slow down. And so I think that's our invitation this morning is because I don't think I'm alone. Maybe you're not at the same like crazy speed of that, but we live in this fast current. 
We live in this fast world, and so what would it look like for us to be intentional, to slow down? Because I believe Jesus wants to chip away the speed of busy, because it's not who he was. God has always moved at a different speed than our world. And I think it's part of our frustration with God, part of our frustration with him sometimes is we're frustrated by God's timing with how he's redeeming our lives, healing our lives, redeeming our world. We're frustrated by God, why aren't you doing that? But when we look at God working, his redemption plan is pretty slow. It's over thousands of years God is at work but we live in this world where we're like, I need your redemption plan to be here and now. I need you to fix this. I need you to redeem this part of this world. We want it to be fast and efficient, but that is not who God is. That is not how his plan has ever worked out. His timing has always been in his grace, his grace for us, his grace for this world, his grace in his speed. See, the speed of our world is efficient, busy, individual, but Jesus is the opposite. It's slow, it's intimate, and it's communal. And when we encounter Jesus, we are gently nudged to slow down. And Jesus didn't just command us to slow down, didn't just say, hey, slow down, try something new, but he actually modeled it for us. He lived that life. He showed us all of who he he is, and he asked us to learn from him. And I love that this invitation in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so we're called to follow the example of Christ. And I love the passage that Jeff read this morning because we're called to walk in this ancient path, this ancient, slow path with God. But so much of us doesn't want to and wants to resist and not walk down that path. But we are to imitate God, follow his example, and sit with ourselves with, how did Jesus walk? How did Jesus live? What was the speed that Jesus was living at? And so as we consider that, I look, when I look at the Gospels, the first thing I notice is the speed of Jesus would be to walk at a pace to be known. To walk at a pace to be known. See, Jesus was always walking. Jesus walking from town to town. Jesus was walking to interact with others. Jesus was walking to meet and greet people. Jesus was walking to people's homes. Jesus was walking with his disciples. And in that walking, the people that were walking alongside Jesus was learning from him. They're asking questions. They're sharing life together. Now, it could be argued that, well, this was just the way it was in Jesus's time. Everyone walked everywhere. You either walked or you rode a donkey. Like, that's what people did. Like, if if Jesus lived today, of course he would get in that car. He would run from town to town to share the good news. Like, Jesus wouldn't walk. But I, I argue that a little bit because I think there's significance in the image of Jesus walking. See, What's interesting is our faith journeys for so long, people have described it as our walk with God. It's described our faith journey by so many people for so long. It's our walk with God. Our denomination, it's a covenant denomination. When it was first starting, 
and the founders, the people coming together, they were living a devotional life, uh, their Christian life together in community. And one of the questions that they would ask each other every time they gathered was, how goes your walk with Jesus? How goes your walk with Jesus? And why I think that language is a part of us is because, yes, Jesus was walking. But when we look at Genesis, when we look at Genesis 3, when, Jesus, when God created the world, he created Adam and Eve in this garden where there's beautiful intimacy. And God is described as walking through the garden. God was walking with Adam and Eve, walking alongside them. He walked with them. They walked with God. This was what God's picture with us, what he wants us to live with him. See, Jesus' walking was bigger than just the era that he lived in. No, it was pointing to a bigger image of what God desires from us, and that's the pace of intimacy. The pace of intimacy. See, it's way easier for us to share life together when we're walking at a slow pace with one another. See, if you, I'm not a runner. I try to run. I'm terrible. I'm not like Jeff. But when you're running with someone, you, you start off, and maybe you're having great conversation in the beginning. But the longer that you go, the faster you go, all of a sudden your conversation starts to die out because you start thinking about your aching muscles and making sure you aren't tripping and you're breathing. And you start to, especially the faster you go, the less you're able to share with one another. And that's because we're not supposed to rush this living together with God and with each other. We're supposed to be at this walking pace. The question is not, how goes your run with Jesus? How fast are you growing in your relationship with God? That has never been a question in our faith journey. No, it is simply how goes your walk? Because God's original plan has been to walk with us, to walk alongside us, for us to walk with him. And it's through this walking pace that we then can find the freedom and the space to hear his truth, to receive his love, and then for us to pour out our joys and our struggles and our sins to him developing that pace of intimacy with God and with one another. So when we don't rush it, we see the fruit of Jesus' loving speed that has allowed us to be known, truly known with one another. And so Jesus walked at a pace to be known, but he would also sit long enough to listen. He'd sit long enough to listen, and Jesus modeled this posture all the time. He was always listening, whether it was getting away and sitting with his father in prayer, whether it was sitting and listening to the stories of the people that would come and be with Jesus and, and sit at the table with Jesus or walk alongside with Jesus, or if it was listening to the injustices that was happening to those that were marginalized or oppressed around Jesus. He was always listening, sitting and listening with people. He deeply cared, and he wanted his followers, he modeled this because he wanted his followers to imitate that. He wanted us to follow in that example, because in all honesty, I don't know if we're very good listeners. We tend to love to talk a lot, but what does it look like to sit and listen and not rush through our days? And I love the story in Luke 10, 38 through 42, Mary and Martha. And this story, it wrecks me every time, because I am Martha. And here's what, here's what I mean by that, is we have Jesus enters the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we have two different reactions to how they 
respond to Jesus being there. Martha takes it on herself to prepare the house. She's running around the house, busy, searching, preparing everything for Jesus to be there for a meal to be prepared. She's running around. And then you have Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he's saying. Sitting, resting, being. And in frustration, Martha asked Jesus, to have her sister help her with the work. Like, what, what is she doing? We have so much to do. How, Jesus, tell her to help me. And I, I just, these words Jesus say every time wreck me because I think it, it spoke to Martha, but it speaks to us as well. It's, Jesus replied to Martha and said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus was encouraging in this moment even more, making it more, emphasizing it, that he wanted us to sit and listen. See, I think it's easy to be like Martha, always busy, keeping our ears shut to what is happening around us, keeping our ears shut to what God is trying to say to us. We sometimes run through life so busy that we never take a moment to stop and listen And then in in that, because we're not listening to God, we're not listening to those around us, what's happening, the injustices, then we become focused on our own worries, our own details, and our own tasks. And we miss out on what God is doing around us. And so I think when I look at Jesus and how he modeled, Jesus is encouraging us first to listen to him to listen to him, to start our days with him, to be listening to what he's saying to us, where he's guiding us, how he wants to show us how loved we are, the truth that our hearts are longing for. God wants us to first take that intentional time with him every day, that we'd stop and we listen to him. Because I think from there, when we listen to him, we then learn how to listen to others. We start to see others differently. We start to love others differently. We start to listen to others with the heart of God. And when we start to listen to others by starting to listen to God first, then we start to see the injustices in our world from a a posture of God's heart. We start to learn how we can enter into that because we're listening to God and what he's wanting to do. Not our agendas, but what he's wanting to do as he enters into this world, redeeming it and healing it of all its brokenness. But it's only through this posture of learning, like Jesus modeled, to sit and listen, can we begin to walk in ways where we love, are filled with love for others and for our world. And there's one more aspect of Jesus's speed that I want to talk about this morning, and this one I find the most challenging. Maybe it's for me, I read an article on this a year and a half ago um, by a Christian writer, um, Parker Palmer, and it has wrecked me ever since thinking about Jesus in this new way, that Jesus, um, his other speed that he would do is Jesus would stay at the table. Jesus would not only walk at a pace to be known, would not only sit long enough to listen, but he would stay at the tables that he was at. See, Jesus's table ministry is so powerful. He sat around the table with all types of people. He sat around the table with religious people, with people who are well-known sinners, with those who are marginalized and outcasts. He sat at the table with them. And while he was sitting at the table of them, Jesus would often receive questions 
as to why he was there. He would often have uncomfortable moments, awkward moments while he was there. He would often then also have criticism where people completely disagreed with what he was saying or with what he was doing. And so at this table, it's interesting because Jesus didn't just get up and leave, but instead he would lean in and he would stay at the table with them. He would continue to stay at the table. And I think one of the most notable table moments, one that we celebrate every month in our church, some churches celebrate it every week, is this Last Supper And this to me is the most notable because it's another moment and a powerful moment where Jesus chose to stay at the table. In most images of the Last Supper we view, we see this divine moment. We see this moment where Jesus is revealing what he's doing on the cross, where we today remember the the sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, And in this moment, Jesus is revealing this to his disciples, his disciples who have been walking with him for three years. For three years, they have been learning and growing with Jesus. And most of the paintings that you see of the Last Supper, they're paintings where it's like Jesus looks so peaceful. He looks so divine. But, but since we believe that Jesus was fully, fully God and fully man, I actually love this other painting because it gives just a little bit different perspective. Check this out. This is a parent painting by Hungarian artist Carolee Kernstock. And I love this because Jesus is the one with his hands on his head. And to me, I find this painting so powerful because it describes, I think, the temptation that Jesus felt in this moment. Because what happened was, this moment of the Last Supper was really a messy and a sacred moment. A messy and a sacred moment, because during this time where Jesus is revealing what he's doing, he's talking about the cross that he's about to endure, he is sitting there, and his disciples who have been walking with him for three years start quarreling with one another about who is the greatest. They start arguing with one another about who is the greatest out of all of them. And then when Jesus said that one of you will betray me, they all started denying that they would ever betray Jesus. And it's interesting because at this table, Jesus has been walking with them. And it's so interesting because their brokenness just fully came out. Their power struggles came out. Their inability to see their weaknesses came out. And I think the temptation to get up and leave for Jesus would have been so real. Because Jesus being fully God, fully man, also understood what we feel all the time. When we are in the midst, in the moment of quarreling in our communities, or when we are having um, issues where we sense betrayal or conflict, or we are struggling to understand someone's differences, it is so easy for us to feel like we just want to get up and leave. We're done. But what I love about the table, the powerful and the sacred moment in the table for me, is that Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed in this moment. He broke bread. He shared the cup with them, and he still went to the cross. Even though he looked and said, gosh, you are not getting it. I'm going to stay because you're worth it because I love you. Because staying at the table is a better display of grace than me getting up and leaving. Staying at the table allows you to experience my goodness, my love, my forgiveness, than me giving up on you. And so Jesus demonstrated that he's committed to staying at the messy table 
with us because he's filled with so much love for us. And so what does that mean for us? And I think we look at this to imitate Christ. We get to learn from Jesus. We get help from Jesus that when our communities get really challenging or hard or there's conflict or differences that seem unable to be reconciled, the temptation to get up and leave is real. It is. It's so real. But what would it look like to follow Jesus' example and to try to stay at our communities, to continue to be in conversation with one another, to maybe ask questions, to lean in, to understand where each of us are coming from, to understand our differences, and try to work through things instead of just giving up so easily. And I'm not saying there aren't times when you may have to leave a table, but I think we tend to give up way too easily in our culture right now. We tend to get up the moment anything hard comes up. So what would it look like to stay a little longer at the table, to offer that grace? And through the help of Jesus, I think we can learn that a little bit this year. We can learn to stay at the table. Because this is the speed of Jesus. This is how Jesus was moving through this world, bringing his love and good news. It was a pace of walking and sitting and listening and staying. And Jesus' rhythms challenge us to slow down, to seek intimacy and embrace community. It's the opposite of the speed of busy that we can get caught up living in. It's, this is the ancient paths that Jeff was talking about, walking with God in intimacy with him, learning from him, and that leads to rest. And so as we consider living at the speed of Jesus, I find the practice, practice of us receiving communion together to be a helpful reminder for us. The table is a symbol of our brokenness, and it's a symbol of hope for us. See, the table is a place where we are invited to come. As imperfect, busy humans, Jesus invites us to come and sit with him. See, the table is where Jesus was walking towards. The table was where Jesus was sitting long enough for us to listen, for him to listen to us. And this is the table that Jesus chose to stay at even though we approached it with our conflict and our mess, our sin and brokenness. This is the table Jesus chose to stay at, the one he invites us to. And at this table, Jesus displayed that he was not shocked by our brokenness and our inability to move at his pace, to walk his ancient path. He was not shocked. Instead, it was at this table that his grace overflowed and reached out to each of us. So may we today, wherever you are at, know that you can take a seat at this table. That whatever brokenness or conflict or struggle or sin, you are invited to receive the grace of God. You're invited to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You're invited into this intimate relationship with Jesus where you get to be at the table with him, receiving his love and grace that he poured out for us. So may we take a seat today knowing that Jesus' rhythm and speed has been and will always be out of this place of deep, deep love. And so listen to these words of the table, these words for you, these words for me. Because it was among the betrayal, the conflict, and sins in our world that Jesus stayed at the table. 
he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to his disciples, the ones who didn't get it, just like us sometimes, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in that same messy, broken, and fragile community that Jesus chose to walk alongside, that Jesus chose to sit and listen to and be among, he took the cup after the supper and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let us come to the table remembering the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that allowed us to freely live a new life, that allows us to choose today to live at the speed of Jesus, to learn from him, to grow in him in this intimate relationship. We get to come to this table learning from him who he is and how he walks this earth. So I invite you in this next worship song we're going to sing, I invite you to come and walk up to these tables. There's those in the front, there's those in the back. And then to take the elements back to your seat and take a moment to sit, listen, pray. Take a moment holding those elements, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave us, his death on the cross for us to be in relationship with him, Sit and listen, and then when you are ready, feel free to take that on your own. Feel free to take that. We're going to take it individually. So let me pray, and then we are going to worship together. Jesus, I thank you so much that you love us so deeply. And you didn't just command us to walk a certain way, but you modeled it to us, and you asked us to follow your example. And Lord, I ask for forgiveness for the ways that we maybe have been too busy or too fast-paced or we've been too forgetful to hear you, to follow you. And so I just pray as we start this new year that we can learn to live at your speed, that we can learn from you, that you can guide us and help us because you ultimately live this out perfectly. So we trust you, Jesus. We thank you for the table. We thank you that you came to this earth to show us how to live, but ultimately to die on the cross for us. We love you, Jesus, in your awesome and truly precious name. Amen.